and welcome back to Let's Talk Games. I'm Anthony. And I'm Abby. And this is the first fantasy. We've never used that no, name. No, it's not. Yeah. This was the first fantasy. Yeah, but <laughs> um, but it is a playthrough of Final Fantasy VII that Abby is doing blind. Yeah, so just full disclosure. 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 Move. And really professional episode. Oh, right. Times. I don't know how people have like really hardcore podcasts that take like 30 hours and manage to pump one out every week and they have a full-time job. Yeah. Because I have just one full-time job, and this is a real struggle to get this out every week, guys. Like, I'm having a great time, but it's currently 9 o'clock, and I'm just home from work. Yeah, after leaving the house at 7 o'clock this morning. And I'm eating my dinner and recording this at the same time, so... So, apologies for any clinking um, noises of forks on plates. Or, like, just this general monster goblin sound. <laughs> well, hopefully, that doesn't, hopefully we're far enough away from the microphone that doesn't come through, because that would be gross to hear. <laughs> but we played some Final Fantasy VII over the weekend, and we got a little bit further in the story. Yep. So we start off in um, Junon Harbour. Yep. And Anthony started this new bit at the start of our playthrough where he read everything out in a weird voice <laughs> because he's been listening to the Adventure Zone a lot. I've been listening to a lot of the Adventure Zone. It's been good fun. Yep. Highly recommend it. But let's be honest, the McElroy brothers have not got where they are by accident. No, they're great. Got where they are because they're damn good. They're really good. So my voices aren't up to the, up to the scraps that they do. But anyway, I was reading stuff out. And the first thing that kind of happened when we got to Junon Harbour was we needed to sneak into Junon Harbour. Mm -hmm. um, and we can't use a dolphin to get up there anymore. So we had to get Lame. past the lift guard who led us into the top secret military facility that is Junon Harbour for Tengil. Which, like, is that the cheapest anything has ever been in this game so far? If I'm right, I think the cheapest an inn has ever been is 50 gil. Yeah. So, like, cost you 50 gil to sleep. But 10 gil to break into Area 51. So what, what does that mean about what Shinra are pay, paying their soldiers? Fuck all. So we pay the 10 gil and we get into the lift. And then Anthony like starts talking about how this lift changed his life. It didn't change, well yeah, it kind of just changed my life. If I were to produce a clickbait list of the top 10 lifts in video games, this <laughs> lift would be among them, probably in the top five. Um, <laughs> it's just such a cool lift. And um, I played this game before I saw Akira, but I always see, there's a scene in Akira where there's a lift very similar. And it just always makes me think of Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII makes me think of it. So yeah, it is one of my favourite lifts in video games, this lift. Anybody else weirdly curious about what Anthony's other top five lifts are? <laughs> one of them is the lift from Dead Space at the start of the game, where um, the monster opens the door and you don't have any weapons yet. And then the door cuts it in half. That was literally the worst experience of my life. <laughs> Flashbacks. That's one of my other top ten lifts. Um, I can't think of any of those off the top of my head, but they do exist. <laughs> okay. Do trains count as lifts? No. Okay. A train counts as a train. Okay. Well, then I've got to do a top ten tra trains in video games then as well. Okay. This is a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so we get up into Junon Harbour, and I do a quick bit of shopping, but nothing, nothing much is going on. Um, but then we get to a screen where there's usually something quite big in the background, and I ask Abby, so what's missing from Junon Harbour? And I'm like, hmm, haven't you ever been here once before? And they're like, there's a big slap fight on top of it, we didn't really like it. The gun. The gun is missing from Junon Harbour. In my defence, the fact that I can get myself to and from work every day is nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> it really is. But the gun is missing. Not only is the gun missing from inside Junon Harbour, but as we find out later on, if you look at Junon Harbour from the outside, the gun is gone from the town as well. Yeah, somebody talks about it, I think, one of the NPCs. There's not really anything we're okay. discussing. But I just, get, just get to mention the guns. But I mean, you probably noticed this is like a fortress town. I love how you probably noticed. No, I would not have noticed. Nope. Somebody said. <laughs> if you lived in the city, you would. Yeah. Um, and the thing, I don't think we talked about this before. Like, do you know why that gun was there? 
to protect the harbor? From from Wutai. Remember when we went there and they had that war with Shinra? Mm. They built that gun to shoot another continent. Yeah, oh my god. Like, that's Shinra for you. But anyway, the gun is gone, and we make our way through the town, and we get to an area where there's a bunch of soldiers drilling, and it's the entrance to the entrance to the underground reactor. Yeah, um, this whole, like, Junin Harbor, uh, this whole segment that we played, is a lot of, we kill grunts. We kill so many grunts. It's kind of, it's a bit of a power fantasy. It's like, this is how badass your party are. Shinra are not a threat anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's I a, like, feel a bit bad. Like this kid's just too. sixteen and Shinra are eleven. Are we the baddies? They only get paid ten gil apparently. Um, so there's like twenty five of them, and they're all ready to go. And their leader, like they're like captains in front of them, he's like charge, attack, and they'll turn around and run away from Cloud. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, you, you're the clever guys. You survive. It's, it's okay. We kill you all later. Yeah. So we go down into the under underground area of, of Junon Harbor. It was a it was an aquarium. And yeah, eventually make it into an aquarium, which is really cute. I really enjoyed this bit. Yeah. And like, I like Shinra may be evil, but they're using their evil corporation money just right. Yeah. This is something that only maybe like high ranking soldiers and executives get to see. Because you but, need to have like epsilon level security clearance to get into the underwater reactor. It totally or Pitenkill. <laughs> it totally plays into like that fantasy you have when you're a kid, like, oh, if you could create a house, what sort of house would you create? It'd be like an underwater house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit here where you get attacked by two grunts and a dog. But the dog doesn't end up in the fight. And Abby was very, very happy that we didn't have to kill the dog. Because I would have quit the game. Yeah. <laughs> actually, better be the end of the game. <laughs> People laugh. I have quit books because dogs die. Yeah. The, she has. The, um, the other thing that I told Abby about here was just that if you really want to break the game... You can hang around in that underwater tunnel and use certain materia to transform the enemies there into items to boost your stats, and you can make the game ridiculous if you do that. But we didn't do that. We moved on. And we um, my favorite thing about this whole thing, though, was that we we've been fighting a lot of grunts, but we fought a very special grunt. <laughs> we fought Senior Grunt, or as I read it, Senior Grunt. <laughs> I thought he was Senior Grunt. He was like, "Hey!" <laughs> also, he did a funny waddle in his battle animation that you really liked. The waddle was my favourite thing. It's like a person pretending to be a crab. <laughs> Before he makes his attacks, then he waddles back into place and he <laughs> finishes attacking. But our A-team of Barrett, Cloud and Tifa just cleaved through this whole area, made it into the underwater reactor and passed a submarine dock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we made it into the actual reactor room. And just as we were about to grab it, a big, like, grabby arm came down, grabbed the material and took it out of the room. Yeah. So we chased it down and we ran into Reno. No. Yeah, we ran yeah, into Reno. Reno. Um, and he's like, I don't have time to deal with you. And he just attacks us with his robot. He just, yeah, he runs out of the way and gets his robot in place. Um, Which, you know, like, it's about time somebody in the Turks just got on with it. Yeah. <laughs> Getting distracted by the party is not a good good thing for them. So I went into this fight, I was playing at this point, and I went into this fight very cocky. <laughs> and I was wailing on this robot, and then it grabbed Tifa, and it grabbed Cloud, and it killed Baron, and that was game over. <laughs> so we had to do this whole section again, much to Abby's joy. And we got back to the boss fight, and I did it properly, and killed its arms, and we beat the boss, and that was fine. Uh, but it wasn't fun doing it twice, because the mm-hmm. save point was quite far away. Yeah, I think this last save point was like outside Junon Harbor. No, it was it was just at the start of the underwater reactor, so we had all those fights to do again. Yeah. It wasn't great. But anyway, we did it, we beat the robot, and when we get out of the fight, you find out that the submarine that the big material was loaded onto has left the dock. But there is a red... No, it was a red submarine. There is another submarine at the far end of the screen. So we ran over there... Got the Leviathan scales for those of you keeping track, and jumped on the submarine, and killed more guards getting on more grunts getting on the so submarine. So the guys in the submarine though, absolutely like when you get into the cockpit, they're like 
rip us, we're dead. Yeah. <laughs> and there's actually, actually a pop-up that says, kill them or take them prisoner. So we took them prisoner. And they thank you for letting them live. Yeah, you know, that's real. I feel like I should be thanked every day for that. <laughs> and then Cloud has an episode. Yeah, Cloud gets like some like crazy PTSD at this point. She gets like really claustrophobic by being in the submarine. And he's like, someone please, I'm sorry, I can't take it anymore. And it's like, ugh. We've all been there. Yeah, it's not cool. I mean, I'm not claustrophobic, but I assume. I'm, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. Yeah, you are. You're very large. I'm small. Yeah, I'm quite big. So, Cloud is freaking out on the bridge, but Tifa gives him the great advice on how to, def- to beat his PTSD and his claustrophobia, and that is to get on the sub and murder more people. Yep. Tifa, no. That's all. <laughs> but it's, it's, it, works. It, it works for Cloud. Yes. I'm sure it works and didn't just press the unhealthy emotions. So I haven't done the sub mini game in a, over a decade. So I went and read the instructions on how to play the mini game, and it was like 15 pages <laughs> of controls and what to do. And then the mini game actually started, and before Abby could even really react to it, it was over. Yeah. It took us like 30 seconds to sink the red sub. Um, it was kind of cool though because then Cloud talks about it, and he's literally like, "Nothing worse than dying in a submarine." Yeah. He's like, "I do not pity those. I know I pity those people." Yeah. And I feel like everybody kind of relate to that. Yeah. Like, um, I agree, that's yeah. the worst. It's not. doesn't sound like a nice way, though. It sounds like Nightmare Fuel, to be honest. <laughs> then the game transitions to the overworld map again, but now we have a new like layer to explore. We can go under the sea, because we have oh, a submarine. Oh my god, flashbacks. <laughs> so we want we potter around under the sea for a while, and we eventually find the crashed red submarine, which we then loot for its um, large materia. But then I remember, from when I played before, that there is another crashed something under the water that I wanted to go and pillage for items. So we literally spent like 15 minutes looking for this thing. What else did we see when we were down there? The big spooky sea ghost? Oh yeah, spooky sea ghost. There's a big spooky sea ghost. Anthony was like, do not crash into the spooky sea ghost. Do you remember, what, do you remember what it was? I, I just, no, I think it was like an anglerfish. No, no, I do. Wait, it's coming. <laughs> I'm getting there. It's a weapon. It's yes, a sea weapon. It's one of the weapons. Uh, I'm pretty certain it is the weapon, <laughs> the weapon, the weapon that Junon Harbor shot. Um, remember when we escaped Junon Harbor before? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's that one, but I'm not certain because it's been a long time. Anyway, we are not ready to fight any of the weapons yet, so we, we avoided it. Okay, our like whole team's battle plan is we're gonna follow Shinra, <laughs> and whatever they're doing, we're gonna fuck it up. That's our whole team's plan. <laughs> That's what we're doing. So eventually we give up looking for the crash Galinka, head back to Junon Harbour and arrive at the airport just in time to see a Galinka take off and fly away with the last big material in it. And Anth was like, mm. I was like maybe it hasn't crashed yet. Um, and we get told, I can't remember how we hear about it, but someone's like, oh yeah, we're taking it to Rocket Town to launch yeah, it the rocket. Yeah, so we get told that, yeah, I don't know. So we get out of Junon Harbour, jump in the high wind and book it to Rocket Town to beat Shinra there. And we don't, but President Rufus is there. I hate that guy. Preston Rufus is there. We don't see him. Yeah, you don't need to see him. No. He's not going to be in the rocket. I hate that guy. So you arrive in the town, and I actually think it's quite cool, because all of the people living in the town are kind of just standing in the street, mm-hmm. looking at the rocket, like, what's happening? Why is little Shinra here the rocket? What's going on? Have you ever had anything like that in your town? I don't know. Something that's, like, part of your town? And seeing it, like, go away or change really draws people out. I remember when I was really young, when I still lived in Scotland, there was a drought... Mm-hmm. And they had to shut off the mains water supply, so you couldn't you couldn't like flush the toilets, you couldn't have baths, 
and you, we had everyone had to go to the town square. It was a really small village at the time. The village grew when I got older, but at the time it was a really small village. And they used to bring in, they were bringing in like tanker trucks full of water and you would get the water for the day. And that, I, I don't really remember the details very much. It was very little when it happened, mm -hmm. but that's a kind of similar thing to me to that. I um, don't remember that at all. You might have been different from you because, like, I think it was specifically to that area, like the northeast of Scotland. Oh, okay. It wasn't like, a whole Scotland-wide drought. I don't even remember there being a drought. It was. It was. It was. I definitely remember. But I suppose if you were really little, it I was would... when I was really little. It was when my parents were still living abroad, and I would come back to the UK for some holidays. Oh, okay. Um, I just remember, like, you couldn't, you couldn't flush it. To, like, you could, you had to like pour buckets of water into your toilet to flush it. You couldn't flush it from the mains. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. Anyway, that's a kind of similar experience. Yeah, I was thinking. The town that I grew up in had this power station mm. and last Christmas Anthony and I went to my hometown and it was the first time I've taken Anthony there and the power station was there my entire life and it was a big bad boy, it was a really bad pollutant and they eventually shut it down and knocked it down but it was such a big part of the community without really being like there was lots of jobs and it mm -hmm. was... It was huge. It was in the like right on the sea line. So if you were looking out to the sea, that's what you could see. And for me, my whole life, I have travelled back and forward from this one town. And no matter where I was in the world, when I saw the chimneys from the power station, I knew I was home. Mm -hmm. And it's gone. Yeah, so coming home without them is, is really jarring. But I remember, I, I think I lived here when they knocked it down. But my Facebook was... Filled. Like almost everybody I knew that was still in the area had gone to see it get demolished. Wow! Like everybody went to watch it because it was such, just such a big part of the community and it really like pulled people together. And something that only happens once. And it's not like I didn't live in a really small village like you did. It was a much bigger town. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what, yeah. I think we've both got two really good kind of similar situations to this rocket being launched. Yeah. So we arrive at the rocket and it's like let's murder more grunts, Mark Two. Oh, yeah. So the party just cleave their way through grunts until eventually we get up onto the main... We find another senor grunt um, <laughs> and we get onto the main sort of gantry into it where Rude is. And Rude has a fight with us. And again, it's kind of like, Rude, you're just not at our level anymore. And we, so just when we fight him, he's like, oh, the terrorists are here. Yeah, that's right. You got really, you got really offended that he called us terrorists. Did I? Yeah, you were like, oh. Maybe, maybe, maybe a gas thing. Yeah, but that's been like an ongoing theme is, yeah. are we the terrorists? Are we the baddies? Yeah. Which I've, I've kind of enjoyed. I've enjoyed the like, are we the baddies? Yeah, Shades of Grey side of things. Like, are we taking it too far? Yeah. But we, we kick Grud's ass and it almost looks like we killed him, but he's, he doesn't fade away, so I'm pretty certain Rude's still alive. Rip Rude. And we get on to the, the rocket. Just before that, like, we're forced to take Sid into the party. That's right. Sid's like, you're not going to the space without me, Sid, the spaceman. Which is fair. And he's like, somebody has to fly the walker up to me, Tier. And I literally wrote in my notes, rip Sid. <laughs> because if Shinra's plan goes right, you're not coming back from that. Yeah, you're flying it into the rocket. So they get onto the ship and you find out that there's something wrong with the autopilot. And Shira's there fixing it. Yeah. And then um, Sid's like, don't worry, we don't need the autopilot. I'm going to fly it. And he goes on and on about how this is a noble sacrifice. Yeah. And they're also like, yeah, but what about the materia? And Sid's like, you know what? I don't believe in materia. I believe in science. Yeah. And he's like, at least Shinra have a plan. Yeah. And I'm a little bit like, he's got a point, guys. <laughs> and he's like, 
Science got me where I am today. Science put me in the air. Science is going to take me to space. What's Materia done for me? And then Palmer's like, autopilot's fixed. Off we go. And the rocket <laughs> takes off. And Sid's like, okay, so I believe in magic again now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what are we going to do? Help. Um, yeah, he's literally like, yeah, no, I just wanted to go to space. I don't really believe anything. I just said, help. <laughs> um, and he finds out the ship's controls are completely locked down. Mm-hmm. But he tells us that we can go up this ladder to get the big Materia out of the ship. And so, we do. Well, it, it's a little bit more complicated than we do. Yeah, but we do. <laughs> There's a does mini it, game. Doesn't he ask, like, doesn't Cloud, just before we do that, isn't he like, is this the end? Yeah, and he also asks Sid, he's like, wait a minute, do you want us to take the big material? Because, like, do we not want to use Shinra's plan to destroy Meteor? And Sid's like, I think, like, whatever you come up with will be better than this. Yeah. Um, and then we have to do this, this code-guessing mini game. So this was the worst. And we were both trying to do it. This was the worst. And we couldn't get it. Well, no, we only tried once. It's not like we yeah. tried for hours. We tried for once and it didn't work. And then we were like, you know what does work? Google. Google. <laughs> so we Googled the code, but we had to reload the game, which was we had to do everything from arriving in Rocket Town again. So it meant fighting through all the grunts, finding Reno, doing Sid's really great speech, which unfortunately wasn't as good the second time. <laughs> You know what? I'm actually going through my notes just now and I'm like, why did this playthrough take us so long? I don't have that many notes. Because we had to restart twice. <laughs> Lame. So we get the big materia the first try and it's like, wow, you must have already known the code. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. So it's literally like, did you cheat? <laughs> but we got the big materia and we head down to get to the escape pod to escape the ship. And on the way, a panel explodes. So I'm literally like, Rips it. Rips it. Again. again. Hashtag Rips it too. And the, the camera switches to Shira, who's still on the ship again, and she comes to help. And Sid then realises that the panel that exploded is from the tank that she had fixed and found the fault with the first time the rocket was going to launch. So when she called off the launch, she was completely correct to do it. Mm-hmm. Because if she hadn't called, called it off, it would have exploded and killed Sid when he was in the air. So she is like 100% vindicated in her choice. Even though Sid has spent his entire life blaming her for taking away his opportunity to go into space. Yeah. Which I thought was, like, as much as we like Sid, we didn't like his characterization towards Shira at all. I, it makes me really uncomfortable the way he speaks to Shira. And it's, it's nice that the game is like, yeah, and he was totally wrong for doing it. Yeah. And he actually apologizes to Shira straight away. Yeah. And she helps um, Sid and Barrett, sorry, Cloud and Tifa lift the um, the metal thing off him and they get into the escape pod and escape the ship. And I was like, hashtag Shira muscles. <laughs> because, I don't know, I imagine Shira being built a little bit like me. Yeah. Whereas... And I'm like pretty physically fit and for my size, I'm, I'm relatively strong but I'm very small. Yeah. And I don't think like if Cloud and Barrett can't lift it, my teeny tiny muscles are not going to help. No, but apparently Shira was what they needed. She, maybe they needed that leverage or or something. Science. So they get into the escape pod, you get this shot, and it's very Star Wars, like it's very New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got the shot of space spinning around through the window, and they're all sitting around it. And Sid's like pressed up against him, he's like, Space! I'm in space! And the rest are sort of sitting there, like they're getting, you know, like <laughs> shouted at. Yeah, space. The thing Tifa and Cloud don't care about. <laughs> I was like, guys, it's still space. Yeah. You're still in space. You're the first four humans in space in this universe. Space. <laughs> Have you heard of space? <laughs> So, yeah, and while that's happening, the rocket hits Meteor and it doesn't work. Definitely not because we messed with the plan. <laughs> like, that wasn't the reason. 
The reason our Shinra suck. <laughs> but not only does the rocket hit Meteor and not work, it's actually such a horrible scene. Because you see a huge flash, like you see a, a clip from people walking around in Midgar, and a huge flash of light in the sky, and all the people in Midgar sort of stop and turn and look at the sky, and then the camera like moves to um, Cosmo Canyon, and everyone in Cosmo Canyon stops and looks at the sky, and then you even see Bugenhagen, who's looking at like a, a diagram of the meteor, he sees it explode, and he stops, and like everyone is waiting with bated breath because this is it. Uh -huh. This is them saving the planet. And then what happens is Meteor shatters and just part of it breaks off and then there's this, it's like a metallic core mm -hmm. and there's lightning, like electricity flashing between the bits that came off. And you just see all the people in Midgar just despair. Like they fold, they drop to their knees, they slump, to, like they slump against walls and it's just like they had hope for that moment and when it didn't go right, like we literally, we don't know if leaving the big materia in there could have saved it or not, or not saving the rest of the big materia. But we definitely took this chance away from everybody I don't know. I get really stressed out. I love the crew. I get really stressed out with the way they're dealing with the situation. Because you're right. The The only reason they've stolen the big materia is because Shinra wanted it. Yeah. I feel a little bit like, how about you let Shira, um, sorry, you let <laughs> Shinra deal with that and then you can take them down once the world isn't going to end. Yeah. Like, cool, do that thing. If nothing else, Shinra have a large organised military and a working space program, which is a lot more than what the five of you have, or yeah. the seven of you have. Like, the five of you didn't even have a spacecraft, like yeah. a, a plane, yeah. at the start of this adventure. We still have a car, we just abandoned it because yeah. we never need to use it again. Exactly. Do you really want to trust the future of the world to people that forget where they parked? <laughs> so yeah, like, it's, it's just insane that we are... Um, this is how it's set up. Blah, blah, blah. So what just happened off microphone, guys, is Anthony got a work call, and now we're like, okay, we have like three minutes of the episode left, let's go. But we're like, <laughs> Where were now we? we're not in the flow anymore. <laughs> so, the, there's a... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at you being like, no, I'm in it. The, the, the... There the. is a time skip, and we see the crew back on the high wind on the bridge, yeah. and they're discussing what their next steps are. And there are definitely people who have doubts on what on earth we're going to do. I actually really like this, right? I like that they're like, do you feel like we should have a plan? Yeah. So like, and Kate Seth is like, have we been wrong this whole time? Yeah. Basically, are we the baddies? Yeah. And then Sid stands up and gives another great speech about how um, they need to come together, they need to work together, and they need to like... He, he, it's a really great motivational speech and he finishes the speech and Barrett's like that was great what are we going to do and Sid's like I'm still working on that and he sits back down on the bridge and falls asleep yeah which you know hero <laughs> I just such reminds me a bit of your dad <laughs> my dad yeah why just being like great and like really good at stuff but also likes a nap <laughs> probably <laughs> is that offensive should we cut that out no it's fine he's never going to listen to this um, I say this in the fondest way. Yeah. You're great. So, at this point, everyone's like, ugh. Like, we're all motivated to, to fix the world, but we don't know what to do. And then Kate says, like, well, take the big material to my granddad. Because they hear the planet Not cry Kate again. Seth. No, sorry, Red 13. Lame. Nanakai says, we'll take the red, big material to my granddad and he'll tell us what to do. And I was like, that is a great idea. That, that old man, even if he is on a floating space hopper, knows what's going on. It's true. It's not his fault he was born with a space hopper for a butt. <laughs> And that is where we left the episode. So we're on our way to Cosmo Canyon. To hopefully get ourselves a goal. <laughs> like, any, I will take any plan. Yeah. Like, I will take... Okay, 
We don't know how we're going to solve the weapon problem, the meteor problem. But have you thought about meal prepping? I will take that as a plan. <laughs> Just something. Yeah. Something that's like positive. Um, before we finish the episode, I have a question for you. Ooh. What do you think has happened to Junon's gun? Disappeared. It's just disappeared. Um, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. What would Shinra do with that huge gun? I feel like shoot someone is too obvious a question. I don't know. Oh, well, we will find out soon what they've done with the gun. I just wanted to see if you had any theories. I don't have any working theories. Mostly because I think I've just deleted the gun from my mind. (laughs) Like, you're like, what did they do with the gun? And I'm like, what gun? (laughs) There's a gun gun in this game? I mean, I even called it, like, Chekhov's gun because they, like, they showed it to you right at the start of the game. And then, oh, look, they did have to fire it before the end of the game. Yeah, so... I don't know. I wondered if I thought because they'd fired it, it was broken. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, Maybe it's just in the with, shop. With Shinra, that, that could very easily be the case. Maybe oh, it's just getting repaired. We also forgot to mention something. Hmm. When the Shinra rocket blasts off, you see it destroy oh, yeah. a lot of Rocket Town. Sadness. I don't think it destroys the whole town, but definitely parts of it are destroyed. Okay, Shinra do suck. I'm not going to deny the fact they suck. I just, I feel like at least they have a plan. Yeah. They suck with a plan. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but that's going to be it from us for today so thank you very much for listening and thank you for sticking with us yeah. even though we're tired and hungry and, <laughs> and you hear us eating pasta for the start of the episode so this is how dedicated we are that we're still going with it we've actually we've really enjoyed this and we really we say this at the end of every episode but thank you guys that you really make it worth it Yeah. and people interact with us really makes it worth it people who very patiently wait for me to respond make it worth it Yeah. like our lives are really busy. Yeah, we both work full time. This is just something we do as a hobby. Yeah, and like we both work crazy jobs and have crazy lives. Uh, but we love this and we love doing stuff like this together and we love the fact that you guys are listening. So thank you. Thank you so much. If yeah. you would like to continue your support, you can follow us on Twitter at the Abby and Anthony or just follow Anthony on Twitter at Advotalk. Mm-hmm. Can't follow me on Twitter because I fear the spoilers too much. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram at the Abby Wilson. Come to me if you want very minimal content because that's what I'm all about. But pictures of cats and dogs. Our okay. cats and dogs. Occasionally. Dog. dog. <laughs> only one. No, dog. he said dogs. Everybody, no, one, one everybody dog. heard There's it. There's only one dog. Oops. Abby dropped her book. He um, said dogs. Everyone heard it. And and if you really want to support the show, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That is the best way to to get more. That's people. the jam. Or just tell your friends if you got that friend who really loves Final Fantasy VII, who's really excited for the remake, wants to kind of revisit the world, but doesn't have time to play through the game. Let them know about Abby and Anthony playing through it. Or also people who do want to have time to play through the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or people that don't even like Final Fantasy VII. We're not fussy. <laughs> yeah, just anyone you can like. Just throw people at the podcast and see who sticks. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. You're awesome, guys. Be nice to the internet. Ciao.